0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads
2: And as we mentioned yesterday, it was the start of the leaving certificate and junior certificate exams for 2019. And we also mentioned that we weren't exactly getting exam weather. It's normally sun is splitting the rocks when the exams start and we're saying actually oh, sure, this hope of the sun shining yet i would hate to be the bearer of bad news but this spell of cold, wet and windy weather uh, which has really blighted the start of our Irish summer is showing no sign of uh, lifting there's actually a status yellow weather warning for some parts of the country today, seven counties in total, now we're not included in that, thank God but we are going to get scattered showers today and there's little optimism among the weather forecasters who all but completely ruled out anything by way of a summer's day on until at least the middle of the month at the very earliest. So we need to put up with this damp, wet wet weather at at the moment. So uh, keep yourself dry. And John Paul's taking your calls, 1850-333-103. And we'll hopefully cheer up somebody's day today because today is a free Ticket Thursday for Live at the Marquee, and we're giving away tickets across the day to Aslan and also to Nathan Carter and on this programme it is a pair of tickets to go to see the wonderful, wonderful Nathan Carter who has a huge following here in Ireland and a especially huge following uh, here in Cork. He plays Live at the Marquee on Friday the 14th of June and if you haven't already Purchased your tickets, you'll be in with a chance to win here on the programme. We will give you a cue to call at some stage on the programme today. When we give you the cue to call, you need to text and WhatsApp your name and details to 0862 103 103. One listener then will get a call back and you will answer a simple live at the marquee question. Get the question right. And a pair of tickets to Nathan Carter Live at the Marquee on June 14 will be yours. Okay, so you're listening out for your cue to call for our Live at the Marquee free ticket Thursday all day today. Now, coming up on the programme today, we are going to do our final piece on the election of MEPs for Ireland South. I'm assuming that these are the last MEPs to be elected in the whole of Europe because when we went to the polls two weeks ago tomorrow, that was the week where elections were being held right across Europe and I don't think any other country had anything like the count that had to take place at uh, Ireland South to elect our five MEPs. So all of them were officially declared yesterday. All five, even though four, will head straight to Europe. The fifth and the holding seat, the zombie seat, the Brexit seat, the MEP in waiting seat, it's been called. So many different things that we now know has gone to Deirdre Klum, who's an outgoing MEP for Fianna Gael. So a bittersweet Bittersweet, really, for Deirdre. Delighted to win, but yet she knows she isn't a full MEP as of uh, yet. And what I thought was interesting, when I heard that it was Deirdre got that Brexit seat, Deirdre Clune would have been one of the MEPs who was so against Brexit. We would have interviewed her many, many times on this programme and we would have discussed Brexit and she was always and forever hopeful that Brexit wouldn't happen. And now she's in a position where... She's probably hoping Brexit will happen because if Brexit doesn't happen, then she doesn't have a job as an MEP. She's going to have to wait until at least November uh, to take up her MEP seat. So, certainly, it is bittersweet for Deirdre Clune. And then, of the other four that will head to Europe, only one goes with experience, and that's Sean Kelly of Fina Gale. All of the other three. MEPs are new MEPs, they're not new to politics, but they're new MEPs. We've got uh, Billy Kelleher from Cork, uh, Mick Wallace, who I heard yesterday saying that even though he's going to be in Europe, he's still going to remain a thorn in the side of the uh, government. So uh, I'd be really interested to watch how Mick Wallace will be received in Brussels. Will he continue to wear his bright pink shirts no doubt he will. And then of course we've got uh, Grace O'Sullivan of the Green uh, Party. She also is a new uh, MEP. So they'll all hit the ground running I imagine but then there's, isn't there always a period of time when you're in a new job trying to find your feet and all of that at a time when we need them all to bring their A game because there's going to be very serious negotiations going on as soon as the as the, the Parliament reconvenes because the first thing they're going to be facing is uh, Brexit. So we wish each and every one of them good luck and in a couple of minutes we will speak with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, just to get Fiona to go through an outline how events unfolded uh, yesterday. Also on the programme today, so, so bitterly disappointed to hear that the Fermoy Regatta has been, they've been forced to cancel the Fermoy Regatta. And um, I think I'm correct in saying that it is the first time in the history of the Fomori Regatta, which is on for something like 80 years, it's never had to be cancelled before. And there would have been times, I assume, back over the years where they would have looked at the condition of the river with flooding, etc. And maybe low, there might have been a period of warm weather where the water dropped in the river. But they've never been in a situation where, they've ha- where they have been forced to call a full cancellation. But health and safety has to come first Safety of the rowers has to come first and they're now reckoning that the river is simply too dangerous because of the dilapidated weir. We'll speak with Paul Kavanagh of the Fomoy Rowing Club, who I imagine is just... Beside himself. He must be so bitterly disappointed that they've had to make this decision. We've spoken with Paul many, many times on the programme and he along with them. I mean, there's a core group of people in Fomoy who are fighting so hard and have been for many years to get the vital work done to reinstate the weir. And it's almost like what they are saying and what they've been predicting has been falling on deaf ears. Because certainly at the start of the year, we spoke about the possibility that the regatta could be cancelled. But you would kind of hope and no. Common sense would prevail. Something would happen. You know, the powers that be wouldn't allow it to happen. But it looks like it's gone. It's certainly gone for this year. So we'll chat about that on the programme today. Now, if you are struggling with bereavement... Are you know of somebody who is struggling with bereavement? Make sure you join us at about 20 past 11 today because I'll be speaking with somebody from the Irish Hospice Foundation who are organising an event that's going on in Cork this evening and it's to do with bereavement and living with loss. And for some people it can take many, many years to come to terms with a bereavement Some people will say they never fully come to terms with it. They just learn. They live a different uh, life. But some people struggle really badly with bereavement. And I suppose were, we're going to try and get the message out to people that there's help there. And that if people are really, really struggling, know that there's help but you need to reach out because a lot of people will put on a very brave face and on the outside it'll look like oh they're great they've recovered really well they're getting on with their life they've come to terms with their loss But nobody knows what's going on inside that person's head or behind closed doors when they're all alone. And they may just need a little bit of a leg up, a little arm around the shoulder, a little bit of support, maybe a bit of counselling, speaking to other people who've been in a similar uh, situation. There's so many wonderful support groups when it comes to bereavement. And we have so many of them here in the Cork area, people that are there to help you. And I know it's often hard to reach out and say I need help and when you can be drowning in grief. Absolutely dr- I was speaking with somebody a few years ago who lost a much loved uh, partner and that was the description that he gave to me when I asked him one day how he was doing and uh, he just said I'm drowning. I'm literally drowning in grief. I don't think I you know the sun will never shine for me again. I'll, I don't think I will ever. Uh, be able to get my life back together and I remember that was the point in time where I said to him I think he need a little bit of help I think you need to go and you need to talk to somebody as friends we can all be there to support you but he, I just knew he needed a little bit of extra support and that's what he did he went and got uh, some counselling and, and while he's still very sad about his loss his he, you can just very slowly see him getting his life back on track. So that's the message we'll be hoping to get across today when we do our piece on bereavement. And we'll give you details of this event tonight that, by the way, is free. Uh, if you think it's for you that you'd like to go along we'll give you all the details about that later on in the programme today. A member of Angartha Corner will join us for this week's uh, Five, and then Jane Pickett will join us in the final hour of the programme from the Islandwood uh, Veterinary Hospital to answer all of your pet questions throughout the morning. You can get your pet questions into us please and I'll put them to Jane when she joins us after half past 12 uh, today. And can I just go straight to a text that's in from um, Anne. If you're going through any of the papers today, they are full of commentary and wonderful photographs of President Trump and his beautiful wife, Milani uh, arriving in Shannon and then heading off to Dúnbeg. Uh, yesterday and of course that little kind of a, would you call it an impromptu press conference? Even, you know, even though they all knew the press was going to be there. I say impromptu because I really don't think having listened to Donald Trump and um, how he spoke about Brexit and how he spoke about, you know, Ireland will do fine, you're going to do very well out of Brexit and how the wall and the border and you're going to be fine with the wall and and then probably over at interjects and say, well, we, we don't want a border. We don't want a hard border. And then, daughter, of course, you don't. You're fine the way you are. And you sort of thought, was he not expecting this press conference? So I don't know if it was an impromptu one or not. But anyway, there's lots and lots of column inches and lots of lovely photographs of the Trumps arriving yesterday. And obviously, a lot of the focus and attention is on Doonbeg and the area around Beg, which is where the Trumps are staying in Donald Trump's hotel and golf course up there. That's prompted Anne. Um, to text us this morning to say, good morning, Patricia. Um, I'm actually rather upset. After listening to National Radio this morning, there was a lot of very negative feedback towards the people of Beg in regard to the Trump family. The Trump Hotel and Resort is their lifeline, giving them jobs and businesses and investment into the local community. The local community got 8 million euro last year from the tourism from that hotel alone. Doonbeg benefits hugely from the hotel. The hotel at the end of the day is run by the two sons, not by Donald Trump. Most of the government money here stays in Dublin. The, d- the government here give very little to rural Ireland. A lot more rural villages would welcome a big hotel and a golf resort, uh, says Anne. And how very right you are. Uh, and I'm, I didn't realise that there was negative publicity against the people of, Do- of Doonbeg. I mean, you're right, the people of Doonbeg are the real winners when it comes to the Trump Hotel and Golf Resort. It is the amount of American tourists and from around the world, but in particular, American tourists that come to Doonbeg to play that golf course and the amount of money that they bring with them. And obviously the spinoff to the area, the jobs that they're creating and the whole the, the whole spin off of the money that's invested in tourism in the area and you know and people they'll do other things besides just play a game of golf they'll go out and have a meal somewhere they might do a bit of travelling around so yeah Anne is right I can well see why the people of Dunebeg would be very happy to see President Trump and his wife and children and anybody else that he wants to bring along uh, would love to see them all travelling and the amount of media that has come with the Trumps the American media that's come come with the Trump, so all of those photographs and video footage that's all been relayed back to the states I mean that's a fantastic advertisement for tourism. Now, I know people would say for Doombeg, absolutely for Doombeg, but even for Ireland, for the wider Ireland area because you know, as I say, people might come to Doombeg, but the hope would be that they might do a bit of travelling around uh, as well, and I think that's one of the reasons why Leo Varadkar was defending the ten million euro that the Irish taxpayer has to spend on the security of the president. You know, the spin-off is you can't put a figure on the amount of money that will be generated through tourism because of this particular trip. So, you know, Leo Varadkar sees nothing wrong with us spending £10 million on the army and on the guardie and all the ancillary costs that go with the security detail of Trump's visit. But thank you for your text. And, and yes, you were right. There isn't an area of the country, I think, that would have refused... Donald Trump arriving to build or to, well, he didn't build, he took over a hotel didn't he and, and he put a lot of money into it and a, a golf course because everyone would appreciate the spin off and the money he would bring to the area. So I have to say a huge number of people agreeing with Anne and her point about the people of Dunebeg and why the people of Dunebeg are welcoming the Trump family and that they, the Trump family have given a lifeline to to that very rural area in Clare, giving them jobs and businesses and investment in the local community. And lots of calls in to say, well done, Anne, 100% agree with you. People saying if we had the same facility in Cork, we would be supporting it. Derek King Cove says Trump supporters in the States will flock to Clare when they see the support he's getting here. Jim in Charleville says it's great for Doombeg. The pictures of Clare are going to be shown in the United States of America and it will bring tourists to the area and Mary in Del ha have to agree with them if we had a facility like Duneberg in any part of Cork no matter who the owner was we would welcome them to the area like it or not Trump is keeping young people in the area and paying a lot of mortgages yeah that's a good point. That is a good point. There's a lot of work being generated from the hotel itself and then the ancillary services that supply services to the hotel and then tourism in the area because so it's bringing so many people to the, to the area. So there's a lot of knock-on jobs from that particular uh, hotel and a WhatsApper says, Patricia, even the 10 million euros spent on the security aspect of Trump's visit, at least it's all money going into the pockets of Irish people. So we shouldn't be complaining about it, okay? Some of your thoughts and comments uh, coming in to the programme this morning. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we are back uh, looking at the final count for the. Ireland South in the European election. This is the Court Today replay on C one oh three. And just some of your texts in on Donald uh, Trump, while people are agreeing with Anne and saying they can understand why the people of dune Beg are so happy and the lifeline that the Trump family have given to Dune Beg and the that rural area of Clare with jobs and businesses and investment, people are still not happy. The 10 million euros, the security money that's been spent from the Irish taxpayer, that seems to be the one that is the biggest bugbear for most people. For example, some of your text, one text, the cost of running the air ambulance is 2 million a year. So what we are spending on Donald Trump's visit would run it for five years. What a joke he had a right to stay at home. John says, Patricia, Donald Trump is a smooth operator, telling us the Irish people that Brexit will be good for us and we'll all benefit. Trump didn't live here in this country in the 70s and 80s and have to turn on the 6pm news every night to look at horrific scenes of war and innocent life wasted all because a minority of senseless people. Shame on Donald Trump. I felt he showed a level of ignorance about what's going on in Ireland yesterday. That's from John. And just one final one. This is on the protesters who did turn up against Donald Trump. Someone wants to know, uh, do the rent crowd protesters have no jobs to go to? OK, some of you text to 0862 103 103. Nearly two weeks after, we went to the polling stations to cast our vote in the local and European elections we finally have a full result in uh, Ireland South. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corkham once again joins me. Good morning to you Fiona. Good morning Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. It's hard to believe that it was two weeks ago tomorrow when we were casting our votes. So I suppose yeah. we'll, we'll go back to the boxes first being opened last Sunday week uh, and when the first count was completed we had one clear seat. Yes that's right.
3: Um, like people cast their votes on the the Friday. On the Saturday, then, um, all the boxes were in Nemo and they were sorted out, but the counting of the European elections didn't actually start until Sunday because they had to do the divorce referendum and start the local elections as well. Um, And then um, it was clear from the start that Sean Kelly, Sinegale's Sean Kelly, was going to be the front-runner and was going to take the first seat. But um, it it took until... um, Tuesday for him to be elected Um, and then um, was it Tuesday or Wednesday? It was Tuesday I think and he was elected and um, then the the whole process started again of uh, distributing his votes and then we didn't actually get anyone else elected until the Thursday and then Billy Kelleher from Fianna Fáil was elected and then um, he was elected on the Wednesday Sorry. and then after he was elected Sinn Féin called for the the now infamous uh, full recount. And we had a recheck of um, Sinn Féin's, uh Leonie Rieda and Green Party Grace O'Sullivan's Sullivan's papers on Thursday. And um, after that recheck happened, Sinn Féin decided that they wanted to press ahead with the full recount. And the returning officer, Martin Harvey, adjourned the matter until the Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend. So we went into it then on Tuesday. They had another recheck, a full recheck, of the two candidates' papers. And then at the end of that, on Tuesday night, Sinn Féin conceded the feat and Leonie Rita had lost her seat. And... Then yesterday, when we went into the count centre, we had three remaining candidates, and we had uh, Independence for Change, Mick Wallace. We had Finnegans, Deirdre Coon, and we had Green Party's Grace O'Sullivan. Now if it was a five-seat constituency, and under normal circumstances, because we had two MEPs already elected and we had three left in the running, it would be the end.
2: And we and we would have the declaration of electors in. without reaching the quota.
3: Yes, exactly. But because of the fifth seat not being... uh, It's an unusual seat in that it's and it's referred to as like a holding seat or storage seat because it doesn't actually come into effect until after Brexit at the end of October. Um, So, uh, obviously, nobody wanted to... uh, Well, not that they didn't want to get into that seat, but they would have preferred to get into the fourth seat because they know then that they're uh, guaranteed to be heading over on the plane to to Brussels next week. But... um, We had to go through the
2: yesterday. Yeah, Leah and votes were the first to be redistributed, and they, as you predicted, got Mick Wallace elected.
3: Yeah, we had we, Mick Wallace was elected yesterday, uh, just after lunch, and just to add to the drama yesterday, poor Mick Wallace was stuck in uh, London Gatwick Airport, so he wasn't in Nemo Rangers to celebrate his uh, victory, and after such a long, <laughs> drawn-out process and an anxious wait for the candidates and their families and their campaign team, he wasn't even there <laughs> for the obligatory shoulder lift and celebration, and uh, there were members of his campaign team there yesterday to celebrate his behalf. Yeah, because I, really. I
2: saw you post up a little video. There was a big cheer and the mm. camera panned, but there's no Mick Wallace. It's just his... That's
3: right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, some of his
2: team were he there. got back
3: into Dublin last night. Um, so he was elected on, um, yesterday at lunchtime and then um, um, the his surplus votes then of nearly 20,000 had to be distributed then between um, the last two. Grace O'Sullivan and Deirdre Clune but at that stage after the distribution of Leonie Riada's votes um Grace O'Sullivan had um had gone gone ahead of Deirdre Clune by about 4000 votes and it was looking likely that uh, Mick Wallace's transfers would go to um Grace O'Sullivan rather than Deirdre Clune so at that stage it looked like um Grace was going to take the seat and, and at that stage she was fairly confident that she was going to get that fourth seat. Um, so then at around 20 past four yesterday evening uh, returning officer Martin Harvey made the final announcement that Grace O'Sullivan had been elected into, the, and she won the fourth seat and Deirdre Clune got the fifth seat and he then declared all five MEPs elected and um Thank everybody. Thank the count staff. Thank the catering staff. Thank all the staff in Nemo. Thank the media. Thank all the candidates and their campaigns uh, campaign and campaign team. Um, and and that was it. And we had um, a couple of moments with each with each of um, of the new MEPs. We had Deirdre Clune and we had Grace O'Sullivan. Now Deirdre Clune, and I suppose understandably, was really emotional when we were talking to her yesterday. Um, she, you know, she has been in Europe for the last five years. She's um, she was delighted that she was again um, elected and but I suppose with the seat it's an unusual one in that even though she has a seat uh, she doesn't know what's going to happen until after Brexit so if Brexit doesn't happen and if the UK decide that they want to stay in the EU after all then that seat will never come into play. Yeah and um,
2: I mentioned this earlier I would have interviewed Deirdre over the last uh, five years and we would have done a number of interviews where we would have either spoken about Brexit or we would have touched on, on Brexit and she was a great advocate against Brexit. Suddenly yes. now she finds herself in a situation where as if she wants to hang on to her job Brexit has to happen.
3: Yeah and she spoke about that yesterday and her stance on that hasn't changed. She doesn't want Brexit to happen for the benefit of the country and for the benefit of Europe but um, for her own sake, to get that seat in Europe, she obviously now wants Brexit to happen. So she's kind of in a Catch Twenty Two situation where she doesn't want it, um, but for her to, as you said, for her to keep her job, she does want it. And, um, you know, there's a similar situation in Dublin. Um, uh, you know, Barry Barry Andrews has been. Um, he's in a similar situation. He's he got,
2: got the Brexit seat up Brexit there, seat yeah, in Dublin as well, yeah. It's only so, it's the two. It's it's just two for it's Ireland. Two. Yeah. 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 Will they both get paid? while um, not acting as an MEP?
3: That I don't know, actually. Um, because she's not, I don't think so, because they're not MEPs until um, yeah. until after 31st of October. Um, so, like Deirdre was saying, that what she plans on doing now is just getting her life back for a couple of months, spending some time with her family, um, you know, in, in, enjoying a couple, the summer, I suppose, and having a bit of a break. And then, she just has to kind of hang on and, and wait and see um, what's going to happen. So,
2: and what um, is well, and what happened to with you know Leonie Reid? The staff have all lost their job. Obviously, the same will happen with not. with uh, Deirdre Clune, uh, You know, for a holding yeah. period anyway, they'll be out of for work. A
3: holding period, yeah, because they, you know, and at the same time as well, I was asking her about um, the committees because you know they'll be forming committees um, in the middle of July and. Um, because she's not elected yet, she won't be on any of those committees that she wanted to be on. But she said that committees change all the time, so okay. she would hope that once she gets over there, um, you know, there might be an opportunity to get on another committee that she wanted to get on. So um, it's a kind of uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it was a victory for her in a way that you know, she was she was elected and, and she got that fifth seat but then in another way it's it's not a victory because she doesn't know what's gonna happen or even if she'll ever get over there. Yeah. So um, it's it's a strange one. And then obviously for Grace O'Sullivan she was a newcomer to Europe. She was um she was a senator um but you know she's fairly new to this whole game and you know from you know, I, I've been talking to her over the last week and a half and she kinda really wasn't sure where she stood or what was gonna happen with her. Um and then, you know, you could see her confidence growing as the two the la over the last two days and then yesterday she was just absolutely over the moon. She was so
2: delighted. Well, there's a break there's a strong green contingent of in Brussels. There's a lot of green MEPs mm. that she will obviously align herself with.
3: Yeah, she said that. She said that there's a strong presence over there at the minute and she's, um, you know, she becomes confident going over there that she has their support and she has their backing and um, she lived in Europe for a while. Um, she's fluent um, Dutch and Spanish speaker. So, you wow. know, she's, yeah, so she, she seems fairly, um, you know she, she's very confident that she's going to be able to do a good job and and represent us well over there. Um and obviously uh climate and the environment is is top of her agenda but she also spoke about uh disability um access for dis- disabled people. She has a, a disabled daughter herself and she, you know that's very much top of her agenda as well. So um it'll be it'll be interesting to see And how she she's got
2: and she's Kieran Cuff going with her.
3: That's right. Yeah. You know, so she's
2: so, not the only you know. Green uh, MEP. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, are you? Are you and the rest of the journalists? Are you, are you just relieved it's all over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
3: funny. Uh, this morning,
2: it's a really weird
3: sensation not having to go over to uh, to, to Nemo. And uh, you know, I suppose we've been in the little media huddle over there for the last week and a half. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's strange. I was saying, like, if I have to go out now and interview somebody who's
2: not connected to the election. I won't know what to say to them. Yeah, no. transfers and yeah, did, you reach, <laughs> did you reach the quota? Oh, sorry, I wrong topic. <laughs> wrong topic. Listen, you've played a blinder uh, over the last almost two weeks now, so well done. Thank and uh, thanks a million for joining us once again. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. On the last time, we'll be talking about the European elections for uh, 2019. And congratulations to our five MEPs for Ireland South 1850-333-103 John Paul takes your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Hi, Martina here Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for drive time where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day and of course we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits C103 now, as was predicted on this programme earlier this year, the country's best known rowing regatta has now been cancelled due to the government's inaction over the crumbling weir in Formoy. Paul Kavanagh of Formoy Rowing Club's regatta committee, uh, who is the secretary there, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Paul.
4: Uh, good morning, Patricia. Uh,
2: you're welcome. I take it the decision to cancel the regatta wasn't taken lightly. Had you no know other choice?
4: Uh, other than take the regatta out of Formoy, which was a big no-no for us, uh, we had lots of offers to take it to the National Rowing Centre in Cork and to the marina. Um, it would be a known, like Formoy regatta, and I suppose to put it into context for your listeners, uh, is similar to Charlotte's show, Is, is you know what I mean? Yeah. It's similar to Clannacilty's show. It's D-Day in Formoy.
2: The name uh, is in the title. Moy yeah, regatta?
4: Well, it was voted best regatta eight years running. Um, it survived two world wars. It survived even all three years, four years of work on the river for, for, for the flood relief plan, where we only had to skip one, and then we held two instead. So, you know, this is really a kick in the teeth uh, for the organisers and for the people of Moy. We have six t- 16,000 hits on Facebook in 48 hours and 99.99% of them are saying how sad it is.
2: My God, my God. And there was nothing you could do to have facilitated the regatta on the river, Uh, nothing.
4: uh, To be fair, and I I need to say this and I want to uh, thank June Murphy who didn't get re-elected, very sad about that. June, on behalf of the councillors, got us a meeting with Kevin Morey was the county engineer we went to county hall tommy lawton and myself to exhaust every single last plan that we had hatched to try and save the regatta to try and save the fishing to try and save the swim which has been cancelled also and to try and save the triathlon which hopefully will go ahead in august provided river levels don't drop any further So we went there, we put our plans, and every single plan was knocked on the grounds, and this is the vital part here. They were knocked on the grounds. We were were accommodated, we were listened to by Kevin Morey, but he said every single plan that we had was knocked by Inland Fisheries Ireland, OPW, Heritages, you name it, Uncle Tom Cobbley and all, and I think I might have said, jokingly, Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken as well. Everybody was objecting to us even putting a shovel or a sandbag in the river. So I've listened, I'm worn out from it, I'm from listening to all the various could you have done this, could you have done that? The fact of the matter is the answer is no. And if we'd have gone in the river, we would have ended up like the people did in Bandon and who were fined twenty thousand Euros for going in people that did that thing in down in the river yeah yeah of. so yeah. We, we we couldn't go there we couldn't go there and and, I mean, and
2: what is the reason is is, is it all about fish is, is, is that what this is all about it's well, all about and, and protecting fishing
4: i, I, I need it, uh, yeah I need to make it quite clear like that i uh, don't look even as an excellent article in this week's seven you and it's on it's online as well if you can't get the e it, it's a fabulous
2: brief. it's a, it's an, a an open letter to Dr Kieran Byrne who is the CEO of Inland Fisheries Ireland correct okay
4: and he is the man responsible he's the CEO his local man uh, is Sean Long and the minister's advisor is Mr Dennis Maher and they are the three people responsible and our beef is with them they have stopped every single move we have made for the past 12 years. Going back to 2008, which is mentioned in the article in the Grand Hotel, where they threatened to bulldoze the wear. That was the threat Mr. Dr. Kieran Bourne then said to us recently, in via the cock Examiner, oh, we never said this and we never said that. Uh, what he forgot was, we have long memories and the Inland Fisheries Ireland may have changed their name because they were formerly known as the Central Fisheries Board. And they were the officials who came to I. We have all the names. They were nearly attacked that night in the Grand Hotel. So we went to Brussels following that, and we got it all clear that it could be repaired. So we keep coming up against these barriers that they have put in front of us, pardoned upon. And, as you know, I was on with you recently where I told you we went to Dáil Éireann, uh we where we petitioned the doll uh, and the you felt you company. got a good
2: you felt you got a good reception we
4: got an excellent reception yeah. and a, a unanimous reception of yes we must get these people in in front of us but now i i got then got a letter to say uh sorry mr Kavanagh, uh we will not be meeting on the 18th of june we are very busy uh, and it will be after the doll comes back from their summer holidays that, and we will contact you in due course. In other words, kick the can further down the road.
2: Which, um, obviously, nothing would be done in order to facilitate the regatta oh, so going ahead at the Great Blackwater Swim. Does it I go down to, it? to money?
4: Well, it's all about money. It's all about and money. I, I, that's what I was just about to tell you. Seemingly, the tender is now back into Cork County Council. OK, mm. and what now needs to happen, and it's, it's amazing that it, I, a member of the public, have to tell Cock County Council what to do. But Cock County Council must now write formally to the minister's department, the minister for housing, Owen Murphy. Don't know why that is, but it's another one of those situations that he must write to Owen Murphy with the amount and asking, please, sir, will you pay half of this and we'll pay the other half? Now, Kevin Morey, a very nice gentleman who's the county engineer, has categorically told me from the day they're told that they can get the money and that they can instruct the engineers to do up the plans, it will take 18 months before there's a digger in the river. Think about that now for a second.
2: And is that because of planning and...
4: That's because of planning, permissions, studies... They must do the Dotting the eyes, crossing
2: the T's. Red tape. Red Every tape is, is... must is, be is.
4: done again, including the oh. divers going down to check the timber beams that were under the original bridge in Formoy 100 years ago. OK,
2: let me bring you back to where we started because I'm going to run out of time, unfortunately. Know, what does what does the loss of the regatta mean to the town of Formoy?
4: Well, if I told you that Paul and Gary O'Donovan are world champions, Olympians they all won their first race in Firmoy. Mm -hmm. Firmoy is a nursery for all these athletes. I've written to the Minister for Sport, the Tanishda, the the, the Taoiseach, everyone about this. This is absolutely crazy. We are the nursery for all these young kids getting their first chance to row in a regatta. Anybody that goes to a regatta, thousands of people there. We have 2,000 athletes. 25 clubs every year, It take we have to restrict the entry, it's so popular. It's,
2: and it's not just well, the it's, athletes. It's costing the
4: club about 20,000 euros is the loss to the club. The loss to the economy, I yeah. uh, got a few phone calls just the loss to the economy of all, it, 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 we, we don't even know, but shops are telling us it's their busiest day of the year.
2: Yeah, because the, because is, the young something. people that come along their parents will come, siblings, you might get the grannies out, the granddads out, you know, they bring other people with them.
4: They bring they bring everyone with them because they all want to see their niece, their nephew, their grandson, the whole lot. They all come, it's a very proud day. For a lot of them, it's their first race because it's so safe, or should I say, it was so safe. Uh, the, the whole uh, area were helped by the civil defence, by... Uh, Blackwater Aqua Club in Formoy the Red Cross, everybody gets involved it's just a fabulous day We're all I see people on regatta day that I don't see for 12 months Mm. but everybody turns up to lend a hand and it's it's just so so it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah
2: and I can hear it I actually can hear it uh, in your voice listen Paul we leave it there we will talk again Um, but thanks for joining us and talking to us this morning Thank you, Good morning to you. You can really hear it, can't you? The, the poor guy is just heartbroken. That is uh, Paul Kavanagh, who is the, for Moy Rowing Club, and he is the Regatta Committee Secretary uh, as well. And uh, by the way, the Avenue newspaper is out today, if you want to read, which is a very detailed letter. That has been written by Donal O'Keefe and we've spoken with Donal because he's been one of the people along with uh, Paul who's been a great advocate for the Weir in Formoy and to get the Weir in Formoy reinstated. He has written uh, an excellent open letter to Dr. Kieran Byrne, CEO of Inland Fisheries Ireland, that just uh, details all that's been happening over the last uh, number of years. Uh, it is well, well worth uh, a read. It's in this week's Avenue. And Paul says you can get it online uh, as well. 1850 333 103. John Paul's taking your calls uh, today. We are taking pet questions because either Ita, Jane, Uh, our new resident vet will be joining us after half past 12 today and she'll answer all of your pet uh, questions. Make sure you stay tuned because it's a free ticket Thursday where we have a pair of tickets live at the Marquee. Our tickets are to get you to see Nathan Carter who is playing live at the Marquee on Friday, June the 14th. We haven't done the queue to call yet. Uh, When we do, we'll need you to text or WhatsApp your name and where you are. So listen out for the queue to call. We're going to take a break though. Afternoons at eleven, we're going to be hearing about an event that's happening this evening, and it is specifically for people who are struggling with bereavement.
4: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed
2: there was a couple of very heavy downpours of rain and I know there was was hailstones in some areas and some people put it up on their social media. I mean the amount of rain that was, there was complete downpours, there were like cloud bursts almost. Well Denise in Mallow was on because she said there was a very heavy downpour of rain yesterday where she was in Mallow. She said it lasted for a few hours. But she said the amount of spot flooding on various roads and I wasn't just in Mallow because she works in the city and she said there was actually evidence of flooding in Turner's Cross but she also noticed flooding on some of the minor roads but she said the flooding on the minor roads a lot of that was down to drains not been cleared. She said surely, surely, surely the council needs to start monitoring the drains and you do it while the weather is dry You don't wait for the downpour of rain to come because when you get the downpour of rain, if the drains haven't been cleared, then they're not going to be able to take the excess water and we end up with situations like we had yesterday of spot uh, flooding. So Denise's message to the council is come on lads and lasses, be prepared and start looking at those drains and clearing them out for the next downpour. And looking at the weather forecast, we're going to have... Seems like a good bit of rain, certainly from now until the middle of the month. There's no sign of long, hazy summer days. Met Aaron are saying not until the middle of the month uh, uh, anyway. And then Alison and Mala was also on to us about the weather yesterday and something that happened to her. She had a bit of a driving experience and she's wondering, did anybody else notice anything go wrong with their cars or their phones while that heavy rain was happening. She was driving from Cork City to Mallow about five o'clock yesterday evening. Now she said that was the time of the day where there was some very heavy downpours but there was also thunder. She was trying to call her husband to make sure the kids had been collected. Was there something in for dinner? Did she need to stop? You know those phone calls that you make and it's pouring out of the heavens you, all you want to do is get home but when you get home you don't have to come back out again so in case you need to stop on the way you'll make the call home to see if there needs to be picked up and also with the heavy rain are the kids home safe and is everybody okay Anyway um, Alison said she had a problem she could not make a call from her Bluetooth in her car the display was saying that she had no phone reception and she said she was if she wasn't in black spot areas she was in areas where she normally is able to make a a phone call she said for the majority of the journey from Cork City to Mallow she had no phone reception at all then she said all of a sudden her car started chugging kind of stopped but then kind of kept going. So she was able to go. But she noticed that there was a lot of cars pulled in on the side of the road with their flashers on. And she started to think then, have those cars broken down? And it's got her thinking and pondering, did the thunder cause this? And did anybody else notice this yesterday? Now, in a, in a large, heavy rain like that, cars pulled in. Some people don't like driving in very heavy rain and they may have pulled in for that reason. Could have been one of the reasons, but I don't know. There's something is it to do with the electrics in the car if they're been affected by heavy downpours and thunder. Anyway, Alison contacted us this morning to see if we could put it out there to see did anybody else notice. Did anybody else have problems with their phone? In no phone reception, is that down to the heavy rain and the thunder and what about cars playing up in the rain and are the thunder did anybody else have an issue like that or notice notice that that when they were driving home notice a lot of cars pulled in with flashes on as as if they'd broken down 1850 103. can I go back to the European elections for a moment somebody sent in a text when I was speaking with Fiona Corcoran to say who came 6th 6th would have been Leonie Reade because Leonie Reade was the last to be eliminated, and then her transfer of votes. Normally, would have ended there, with the five being deemed elected without reaching the quota. But as Fiona explained, there had to be the fight for who got the fourth and who got the fifth seat. So Leonie Rieder. I don't know why the person needs to know that, but it was Leonie Ria that came uh, as came six. And I have to say, say commiserations to Leonie Ria there because she again, as an MEP over the last five years, was somebody we've, we have dealt with on the programme quite a lot. We carried a number of interviews uh, with her and she certainly, as with Deirdre Cloon and Sean Kelly, you know, we had three very hard working MEPs. We don't always get to see what they're doing, but they're very, very hard working. And I know John Paul went on one of those media trips during the last five years to Strasbourg or to Brussels. And I can't remember which, which it was, but he came back as well saying, you know, they they really do work hard and we, we're not always aware of what's going on in Brussels but I know whenever we contact them when we want to check with something or we want to do an interview to explain something that's going on in Europe Sean, Deirdre and Leah were always available to us, you know, they were, and they were very, very accommodating of the media. So I have to say commiserations to Leonie Ria that she was a very hardworking MEP and she certainly will be missed. Staying on the MEPs with Mick Wallace now picking up one of the seats for Ireland South. Donal, who's working in the city, said he was chatting with a work colleague yesterday and the work colleague happens to be from the continent and they were chatting about the fact that Mick Wallace had just been elected as an MEP. And Donald says his work colleague from the continent was far from impressed that Mick Wallace was elected to the EU, following on from the fact that Mick Wallace had been declared bankrupt. The work colleague said to Donald, in my country, we jail people like that i.e. we jail somebody like Mick Wallace while in Ireland you make them MEPs. He is going to be in Europe now and he will be making the decisions about the future of Europe's banking, decisions that will affect all countries. And he's coming from that as somebody who himself was declared bankrupt and left outstanding debts. So somebody from outside the country not very impressed with uh, our selection of an MEP for Ireland uh, South, 1850 And somebody else is, who is less than impressed is Morris. And this Morris is less than impressed with our own President Michael T. Higgins. What's this about? This is an email to Patricia at c103.ie. In a country of very high levels of violence, writes Morris, it was disturbing to see our president, Michael D. Higgins, praise boxer Katie Taylor. For the head of state to be condoning a blood sport says it all about this country and its caveman mentality. And that's signed by Morris, emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Morris, can I just say, in your opinion, boxing is a blood sport. Not everybody sees Very few people see boxing as a blood sport. It is a recognised sport. And if anything, it wasn't just Michael D. Higgins has been praising Katie Taylor. So many people have come out and praised Katie Taylor for her commitment to the sport. The amount of training that that girl has to go through to get to where she is. She is at the top of her game and that does not come easily so of course we're going to have the president of our country praise her for what she has personally done but what she's also done for this country again when you take part in sports that are recognised around the world you fly the flag for your own country as well I mean she was draped in the tricolour she's Ireland's Katie Taylor people recognise her As Irish. So, of course, you're going to have, when she takes a world title, you're going to have the president uh, praise her. But it's just, you don't like boxing, Morris, and you're not on your own. There are other people who don't like boxing. But it's not a blood sport. That's your opinion that it is a blood sport. I think if Michael D. Higgins didn't come out and praise Katie Taylor, he would have got a hell of a lot more criticism than the criticism you're heaping on him today. Thank you for your email to patricia at c103.ie. Let's stay with the thank yous because Annette and Dennis, who are neighbours, And they live in the Patricks Hill area of Bandham. And they had to put up with what they describe as a battle of verbal abuse on Sunday evening. It was at about six o'clock from a group of lads. Now, I don't know what age these lads were. There was one lad in particular who was using very abusive language to one of the neighbours. Now, one of the neighbours did ring on Garthashia Corner, as the abuse continued at the front door, the guardie came out. After a few minutes, they moved the guy. They moved along the group. I don't know how many were in this group. The one man, though, who was giving the most abusive language, stayed on. He was holding a bottle of beer. Are you allowed to drink on the streets in Banton? Is that not one know there's bylaws in a lot of towns and and in the city where you can't drink on the street? Anyway, the guardie in the end, along with the sergeant, had to come along. And moved the guy along. So, Annette and Dennis, as neighbours, were on and to say, could you give it a mention, please, uh, Patricia? And would you thank the Gardaí on this uh, occasion? They were great. As soon as we called them, they they came out. Uh, and John Paul has just clarified the lads. We think were in their early twenties, maybe late teens. But am I assuming they were all drinking on on the street? Is that what was going on? Was this was the festival was on in Bandon, was it? Oh, okay. So they, they're not necessarily locals. They could have been just people who'd come in for, for the festival. I know there have been problems before with drinking at the festival in Bandon, and there was going to be a big push to stop any sort of antisocial behaviour. So I don't know if the antisocial behaviour was caused because of the festival, but well done to the members of Angarda Shia Corner. They seemed to have acted very, very quickly. And certainly Annette and. Dennis uh, were happy with what happened uh, there. Thank you for that. Yesterday we had a huge reaction to public toilets and the condition of public toilets. And then we had a few people telling us about public toilets that were good. But in the main, it was dirty, disgusting public toilets we were talking about. And people were saying very bad image to give to tourists and, you know, what sort of, when they leave, if they go into an area, they go into a town or a village and they go to use the public toilets and they are filthy. Excrement. We were talking about excrement on the walls and on the ceiling yesterday. It was particularly gross. But you're just thinking if a tourist goes in there, what would they go away saying about our beautiful country and our lovely towns and cities and to villages, they certainly wouldn't go away with the right image of it. Well, John in Cailkill contacted us to say that he travels on the rural transport bus to Bantry every Thursday. And where the bus stops at the square in Bantry, there's a problem there in that they don't have any public toilets. John thinks that the public toilets in the square were closed in Bantry about 12 months ago. Now I don't know what time of the morning John arrives but he says when the bus does pull up none of the pubs are open so you can't go into any of the pubs to use any of their toilets. There is one cafe but people then end up queuing and, and I take it they go in and have a cup of coffee. They're not just using the toilets. So he feels that's another issue. We spoke about dirty toilets yesterday but there is a an even bigger issue because the toilets... Are not being maintained to a high enough standard? Are there antisocial behaviour? Are there people going in and think it's a joke to smear excrement all over the walls? And I suppose the council have got to a stage where they do their best to try to keep them clean. And if they can't keep them clean, the next thing that they have to do is lock them. And we have a lot of public toilets across Cork City and County that are no longer open and they're no longer opened because the council just can't maintain them can't keep them clean and then of course they're getting endless reports of saying the toilets are disgusting you need to clean them you need to clean them costing a lot of money so in, in a lot of cases they just decided that was it take the public toilets away they're gone no more so John and Cale Cail reckons that issue needs to be raised that's a bigger issue and we need to do something now some of the areas brought in the super loose, have we still got super loose around the country and around the county but they they come with a huge price tag even bringing them in and then it's the maintenance of them that any areas of the council where the superloos were brought into they cost way more than the couple of pence you put in to actually use Toilet. So there's a cost factor involved in that. And I know that's an issue that's been discussed at council level. And we've had people complaining about the amount of money that was spent on Superloose and would they be better off spending it on somewhere else. And when you look at the amount on Superloose, would they be better off putting in a proper toilet and maintain the toilets? But I don't know what the solution to maintaining a toilet is unless you put somebody. Permanently at the toilet, and that comes that would come with a huge cost factor and I can't see the council ever been able to afford to do that. How do we stop people going in to toilets and messing them up and antisocial behaviour and people thinking it's fun? to smear excrement all over the walls I don't know how you stop that actually happening 1850 and by text says Patricia what a programme on the ESB leakages last night I haven't seen it uh, yet I've read reviews about it alright look at the effect it has had on the whistleblower Seamus O'Loughlin and the ESB's attitude to him take a lump sum and go or else we will demote you to what you were doing 20 years ago oh God, that sounds shocking. That actually sounds like what happened when I I did watch the final programme of the Chernobyl uh, series and where they showed at the end what happened to all of the different people and the key players involved in the story to tell the world what happened at Reactor 4 in Chernobyl. And the main guy who came forward and told uh, the truth, he straight away was told, you know, you'll never be recognised for this. You will be demoted. You'll never work again. You know, and you'll... I mean, in, in fairness, the, in the God help the poor man. He ended up committing suicide, but his life was going to be absolutely miserable. Why? Because he put his head above the parapet. He decided to tell the truth, and he decided to become a whistleblower. So, yeah, it happens all over the world, but it's hard to believe that it's still going on and happening in this country as well. John Paul, taking your calls: eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three.
5: C one zero three jobs.
2: We've got a commie chef position and front of house staff are all wanted. That's for Arundels by the pier. Full-time air conditioning and refrigeration engineer and a third-year apprentice plumber wanted. That's for the North Cork area. First and second fixed carpenters wanted. That's for Cork and a Limerick and a kitchen assistant is required to work on a casual basis in a healthcare facility in Dungourney. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Now, the Irish Hospice Foundation is hosting its first ever regional Living with Loss Bereavement Information event. It's happening here in Cork this evening at the Clayton Hotel with details of the event. I'm joined by Amanda Roberts, who is Bereavement Development Officer with the Irish Hospice Foundation. Good morning to you, Amanda. Hi, Patricia. Thanks a million for having me on. You're well, good. well, you're very welcome. Um, outline the format of this evening's event because I know you've held similar ones in Dublin. This is the we first have, one for Cork. Yeah.
5: Basically, how the event came about is we've had them in Dublin for the last couple of years and overwhelm me, every year. People are saying, look, can you not have them outside of London? So I knew a couple of organizations in Cork and I reached out to them and they were really enthusiastic. So between ourselves and a couple of the organizations in Cork, we've arranged tonight. So basically, it's a free event and it's for anyone who'd like to come. And there'll be information around grief and the ranges of, of support available for people. And I suppose it's important to note that the event is for anyone or any circumstance of loss, so whether it's a grandparent, a parent, a child, a sibling, and also all types of deaths, whether it's sudden or chronic illness. So I suppose it's an event for everyone, and also for if people want to know how to support someone who's bereaved, I think they'll find it a really good night as well. And we're really have three great speakers on tonight. We have Irene from Marymount, and she's the Director of Bereavement and Family Services, in Marymount in Cork, and also, she's with us.
2: Your phone line is oh, if you sir? can just move ever so slightly, it's just it's no it's, it's 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 fading in and out. Um it's go, go back go back again and you, the first speaker is?
6: Um, Irene Murphy.
5: She's the director of bereavement and family services in Marymount Hospice in Cork. Okay. And she's involved in developing bereavement care on a European level. And what she's going to do is talk about the process, of course.
2: No, I'm going to have to put you back out to uh, John Paul and see if we can either get you to another phone line or move to a different area because that we're not certainly getting anywhere uh, with that particular uh, call. Uh, We'll see if we can uh, clear that up a little bit. We were talking about Home Helps. Actually, I have a very detailed uh, email in from two... Home helps in the North Cork area. Now for obvious reasons, uh, when I do read it out, I'm not going to mention any names. But they've been listening to what we were talking about yesterday on the programme and they just want to sort of lay out their stall of what it is like to be a home help. I know there's a there's a new name now given on Home Helps, they're called the Healthcare Support Assistance, but I think they will be affectionately known to all of us as Home Helps. And I will bring that email to you. I don't know if I'll get to it before twelve, but but I certainly will, but it gives a kind of a good insight into it from a home health point of view. Is Amanda back with us? Are you there, I Elizabeth? am indeed yeah. and that's a perfect line. Oh, yeah. Okay, now you're You're talking through the speakers for tonight, please.
5: Yeah, Yeah. and we have Irene will talk around adult grief. So what she will talk about, what can happen when someone experiences a bereavement. So things like sleep, ap- sleep and appetite and concentration can be affected. What can help and also how others can help people who are bereaved. Then we also have Gina uh, Cantrell from Bernardo's and she will be speaking around how children grieve because some at times children grieve differently to adults so she'll be kind of speaking around okay how can you support ch- uh, children who are grieving and what can happen when they're grieving. And um, also we have Desi Fitzgerald. He, um, I'm not sure if you see him on the late late show.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. De- 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 Desi is from this parish just up the road he- from us.
5: Oh no way. Yeah. Oh that's great because we um do you know what it was we went down and I had a meeting in Cork and said who could we get as a guest speaker you know someone that could speak to people and um it just so happened to that weekend, he was on the Late Late Show, so everyone was ringing me going, look at this, an RT player, and I suppose the thing about Desi on the Late Late, it was just the fact that he spoke about at times that we feel we can't cope with it, that it's okay to be sad and angry, and that opening up and letting someone see us in our sadness is a good thing. And then also, I suppose that People, you can move through it, and sometimes we underestimate ourselves. And um, and also, I suppose the thing about tonight is, okay, we have three speakers, we have over twenty organisations coming tonight, so all the organisations kind of cover a variety of types of grievance, whether it is through chronic illness cancer suicide homicide and variety of relationships so we'll, people will get time to visit the stands and i think the, the way we have the night formatted people can choose how much they'd like to engage on the night whether they want to just sit back listen to the talks, whether they'd like to ask questions whether they'd like to link in with the organizations maybe pick up a leaflet or actually link in with a person there so i suppose it's when people come they can engage on what they're comfortable with and I suppose well, the whole point is that we do these organi- uh, these events is that, do you know what, just getting people in a room together yeah. you know people may not feel it alone because it can be so alone and an isolating experience and people sometimes come to the events on their own or they come with family and friends
2: And uh, bereavement um, Amanda, do, does it affect people differently? Everyone gets, oh, it deals with bereavement differently yeah.
5: Well, you know, bereavement—it's such a unique, unique experience for people. They can it can affect them in so many different ways, from emotional to behavioural to variety of things. And I suppose that's one of the things that can kind of become an issue, particularly in families, if people are reacting differently. I remember talking to a lady and her mum her died and how she coped. She just got upset and the overwhelming feelings where her sister was a doer in the family. So she was kind of off planning things. Mm. And her feeling was, oh my God, she, she doesn't care. Her mother just died and she just doesn't care. But it wasn't until weeks later they had the opportunity to have the conversation. She says, look, how I cope is... I do things. I plan things. I went off my walks, thought about mum and that's how she processed her grief. So sometimes there could be contentious issues in families because people have different relationships as well. It could be both of them with their mother, but there could be different relationships as well and differences how they cope with things
2: ah, as well. That's a good point. Um, I often use the phrase to people who are going through grief, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. There grief. isn't. You yeah. know,
5: there it really isn't. And it's what feels right for you. The only thing that you would note here is the way you choose to grieve. If it hurts yourself or hurts someone else, then look, link, reach out to family and friends or reach out to, you know, someone um, outside your, 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 your social network. But yeah, I definitely think it's, it's your own unique and what feels right for you.
2: And then supporting somebody through yeah. a bereavement. Are there, are there do's and don'ts? Do you know what? The most,
5: I think, important thing is acknowledging because you know what, people don't know what to say and sometimes I've heard so many times that uh, people that are bereaved walk down the road and they can see people crossing the other side of the street and it's not that they're trying to be mean or malicious but they just don't know what to say and they don't want to make people cry and the thing is, crying is okay. It's how people uh, react sometimes and let out emotion. So it's just saying, look, I'm so sorry, I don't know what to say to you, please, is there anything I can do? Do you know things like if you have play dates with um, their kids or something, maybe say, OK, well, next week, look, do you want me to take the kids for a couple of hours and you can go off and get some time to yourself? So it's kind of saying
2: that's a practical and that's a bit yeah, of practical help.
5: Yeah, but it's what they need. You know? So it's just I suppose a part of my role and a big thing in my in my job is getting the conversation started, raising awareness, particularly in workplaces as well. That, you know, you acknowledge it, you know, it's such a like the world goes on, you know, someone that you're really close to dies and the world seems to go on. And if someone doesn't acknowledge or mention it, you know, you just feel so alone in it.
2: Yeah. And it just, yeah. it, it adds to the heart. Oh. I think even, I think that one of, igno- over the years, I'd have interviewed people in various situations yeah. and that one of being ignored by, oh you know, somebody, God, yeah. somebody who would know them really well, yeah. crossing the yeah. road. Uh, yeah. I, I tell the story of, of, of actually a friend of mine who lost her, her gorgeous son very tragically oh. yeah. and uh, she saw a very good school friend of hers yeah, yeah. in the supermarket and she said her friend nearly fell into the peas yeah. in the freezer to yeah. avoid eye contact yeah, with my yeah. friend. And as she said, even if she just came and said, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. and a hand on your arm saying, I don't yeah. know what to say to you. Yeah. It can be as simple as that. And people have this thing as they want to fix
5: it. You can't fix it. There's nothing you can say that will bring that person back. Do you know? And it's okay not to be able to fix it. But it's, acknowledging it, being there and sometimes reaching in, you know, maybe just after initially after the death, a quick text going, look, I'm thinking of you, you know, or that sort of thing. The simple things that, you know, that can make such a big difference.
2: And Amanda, a bereavement that happened many years ago and that Mm. people didn't deal with for whatever reason.
5: Yeah, yeah. That could that can happen and um, particularly I remember a, a lady who I spoke with she lost her sister and her husband in in, in the space of a year and it wasn't till got over her dog died and that was just like the straw that broke the camel's back Do you know yeah. this dog had been through it was her comfort when her husband died it was, the dog was her comfort when her uh, sister died Do you know when it wasn't till the third loss do you know, it just got to the you know the 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 boiling point where it's just like I just can't cope anymore. Do you know, and it's just then that you started reaching out to family and friends, and at that point you kind of got a little bit of extra support just to kind of help her process. You know, three. I know it was a dog, but it, do you know, it was mm. very three close, close people. Or yeah. Two humans and, yeah. a, and
2: a dog. Because and I see Failacon, which is one of the groups that oh, you are, freaking, who are yeah. fantastic, who oh, who deal brilliant. with the neonatal and, and stillbirth. And yeah. we had, we had um, a mom and, and a representative from Failacon in the studio with a memory oh. box oh, uh, a few yeah. months ago, and we were talking about it, and we were just letting people know that Failacon is there. Yeah. And uh, we got contacted by somebody who had lost a baby. It was well over forty years ago. Never dealt with it. Never spoke yeah. about it. Yeah. And it was an era where it wasn't spoken about it. Yeah. and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She said she now felt, having listened and she got in contact with Fela felt she was now in a position to be able to cope with it and deal with it. She'd never dealt, you know, 40 years uh, years on. And there are wonderful organisations that are going to be in attendance tonight. Oh, there
5: is. Do you know what, ranging from information services to hospice and hospitals, and then we have um, also... Embrace Farm there uh, when people are bereaved through farm accidents as well. They'll be there. And then, as you said yourself, some pregnancy and perinatal loss. So the Cork University Maternity Hospital will be there. The Miscarriage Association. um, Also support after homicide. And then there's also organisations that are specifically for bereaved parents or bereaved children. So there's about over 20 organisations. fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose we're trying to have something for everyone. Do you know that people feel... Inclusive and together at the event. That there's something. Whether they just they're just coming to be in a room with other people, or to get information, or to make that first step. You know that maybe you need that little bit of extra support outside the family. And the hard, the fur hardest step can be the first. Mm. You know, so that might be made a little bit easier by tonight.
2: Well done, well done. And it's a free event. You don't need to it register is. or anything. No,
5: you don't. Pop along at half six in the Clayton Hotel. Um, in Cork
2: city this evening okay half 10 to uh, about half past 9 and all of the various organizations will be there if people want to get further information good luck with the demand thanks a million Patricia and uh, thanks Take. a million, thanks a million for joining us very no uh, bye bye that is Amanda Roberts who is bereavement development officer with the Irish Hospice Foundation in advance of that regional living with loss bereavement information night if it's for you or maybe you know of somebody who's struggling uh, through a bereavement at the moment and they're not listening to the radio you might give them a gentle quick little phone call just to, to tell them that he's on tonight in the Clayton Hotel from half six just uh, turn up. Uh, John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103. We're looking for your pet questions please because Jane Pickett joins us in the next uh, hour of the programme. If you've got a pet question or you can WhatsApp or text at 0862 103 103.
4: Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend. By turning up the
5: feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday
2: brings you six hours of feel good greatest hits.
5: Join Nick Richards
4: from one and Martina O'Donoghue from four
2: as we get you
5: weekend ready. Weekend ready. Do you feel what I
4: Turning up the feel good for cork.
5: For cork.
4: Every Friday from one.
5: Feel good Friday only on C103.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Going to Bantry Garda Station, where I'm joined by Garda Bridget Hartnett for this week's uh, Garda file. Good afternoon, or good morning to you, Bridget. Good morning. I'm I'm wishing the day away. You're welcome. Okay, you want to start with a theft that happened in Macroom uh, about three arrests.
6: Yes, um, the theft I I think is very well covered, even in your own show about the phone shop in Macroom. and they tried to actually steal. display and phones that were on display now we just need to thank the public in this one because we got a huge amount of phone calls into the station in mccroom and people passing on information and things that they'd notice and i'm not sure even in any other areas of the country would we get such a response that we get in west cork from the support people give when something like this happens but due to all that information there's three arrests being made and two are actually being before the court already so that's Really great work. So thanks to everyone that made those phone calls.
2: Okay, And as we always say to people, when they have a piece of information, you might think it's, Ash, that's irrelevant or it's too small or or somebody else will ring in don't leave it to somebody else. And the guard, as the uh, Asgardie, uh, Bridget, you don't mind if you get eight phone calls all with the same piece of information?
6: Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Absolutely not. Every phone call is welcome. And you're exactly right, Patricia. Even from the smallest bit of information, anything that appears out of the ordinary, don't hesitate. Make the phone call and we will check it out.
2: That could just be the piece of information you need to fill in the jigsaw. Absolutely. OK, there was a house burglary during mass times.
6: Yeah, and I just need to mention that again... As good as crime rates are, that we have such low crime rates in West Cork, we're very lucky. But criminals don't ever take a break. And we just have to remember this. Uh, this poor person returned home from early Mass on the Sunday morning, of the 2nd of June, between 10am and 11am. So a very short space of time in Lissarda, in the McCroom area. And a large amount of cash was stolen from the house. They gained entry through a back downstairs window. So just remind people to be very vigilant no matter, you know, just because it's a Sunday doesn't make any difference and watch out for anything and we appeal for information there you know, just if anyone notices that and suspicious maybe groups out walking or cycling on the Sunday morning, please give us a phone call and ring us in and McCroom Garda station number is 026 208, sorry 20590 and they'll take a phone call any time on it.
2: And I suppose a cautionary tale don't have large sums of money lying around your house?
6: Very much so. Um, We really appeal for people that never to have large sums. It makes such a difference.
2: And I know people will say they have bills to pay or whatever and if you do have to deal in cash, get the cash and pay the bill immediately.
6: Absolutely. And even break the cash up into smaller amounts, you know, and have it hidden in different places. But please, banks and, you know, we can get bank cards so we can get access to money quite easily nowadays. So there really is no need to be having a large amount in your property at home.
2: Okay, and well locked, also oh, the house well locked up, yes, and all of that. We're so so all Are so. you
6: are you an advocate of house alarms? I actually am now, yeah. um, because once they're used, though, yeah. it's no problem. You know, like it, there's no point getting a lovely new alarm and forgetting to turn it off. And we get very complacent. We're so lucky living down here in West Cork that we forget, you know, and take chances. It's only a great alarm system if we manage to turn it on every time we leave the property.
2: Mm. And it does act as a deterrent, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Once they go
6: off, it's highlighting there's something after happening. And people do look.
2: Yeah. You know,
6: and pay attention what's going on there.
2: Okay. uh, The exams are underway. We've been talking about them. They kicked off yesterday, leaving search and uh, junior search. You're saying to good luck to the exam students, but be careful how you celebrate.
6: Absolutely, With even just starting off with the exams, you know that a lot of people are feeling stressed at this time and we've got to understand that it's an awful time. It's a long time since I did my own exams, <laughs> Patricia, but I do remember that awful we feeling. We all do, we all do. Yeah, and I even, I saw a study there last week and it said 63% of Irish school students suffer higher levels of anxiety than our European counterparts. Uh, So we've got to be very mindful of that and try and keep the thoughts very positive for them and tell them not to dwell on things. Once the exam is over, it's over. But also, if we don't make the grades, there's lots of other options out there. It's never the end, you know, that kind of way. And just accept things will happen, but things will work out okay. And there's lots of other ways. And keep the balance, if we can keep that going, you know, with the study and relaxation and exercise and rest and socializing with their friends afterwards. Very important as well
2: but you want to be careful and mindful that they yeah off when drinking. it comes to drinking importantly
6: yeah. now again guards love to see people out enjoying themselves um and you know it's all very positive that way but we need to remember our limits also have you know, a journey home, have a method of getting home, especially living in West Cork again, you have to have your journey planned you can't rely on a taxi system you know, and please mind your friends, we see that so many times where someone is left alone in an intoxicated state and nobody with them and that sort of behaviour really worries me you know, we never mm-hmm. know what what could have happened Um. so just always stay with your friends and we you know, we're there to help as well. So come to the guards, you know, if anything is happening. But once it's all within your limits. And it's very important to for parents, if they're thinking, and I'm putting a lot more <laughs> emphasis on this, to have that conversation with our children um, and teenagers about drinking. You know, and unfortunately, it's monkey see, monkey do. So we have to look at our own uh, approach to drinking. yeah, yeah? And yeah. discuss it. Discuss, you know, what our rules and our boundaries are, and what we expect from them. Because teenagers do love to have rules, you know, they might like to break them, but they feel safer having those rules established from an early age yeah, and yeah. having the conversation.
2: As you say, nobody wants to be a killjoy, they can out and enjoy nope, themselves. not even the but, cars, we, yes. but we want them all home safe.
6: Oh, very yeah. much so. And to tell them there's plenty of life out there, you know what I mean, no matter what happens, the I mean, yeah. exam is over. And life goes on all the time.
2: You're not defined by your leaving search results, Absolutely that's for sure. Absolutely not. I can't remember when I was ever asked for it. <laughs> for <six. laughs> okay, and we end with a good news story and something that the men's shed have provided uh, to the Doris the station.
6: Yeah, I, I thought you'd enjoy this one yourself. It's really unique. Um, last week saw the grand opening of the men's shed out in Doris, and yeah. it's situated on the back of Doris Garda Station. So it's a lovely setup. They invited Chief uh, Con Cadigan and our superintendent here in Bantry, Declan O'Sullivan, was also there at the grand opening. And they have a lovely polytunnel at the back of the garden station and a garden set up, all using renewable materials. And everything was made from scratch themselves. They're a great group of men. And we all know how valuable the men's sheds are. You know, for bringing, say, men together, to get them talking because they're usually, you know, slow to get together for things like this, get talking, have their cup of tea, and then develop projects within the community. And this is a prime example. You should see the projects at the moment, Patricia. Everything's in full bloom, looking wonderful. And the good thing about all this, all the projects is being used in the community. Oh, they're, imagine, they're giving it, you know, some meal and whe- the Meals and Wheels for the elderly in the local yeah. area. They do a meet and greet on a Thursday morning. They even have produce available for that, you know, to make the sandwiches and desserts. And we even got to try some ourselves on the day <laughs> to give us a full sit-down meal. It was absolutely gorgeous. Isn't
2: that incredible? And it's in the backyard of Doris Gardens. Yeah,
6: unbelievable. And that took a bit of work, you know, to get it. There was a lot of work there from the local guard, John Dowling, and the local group, Joe Starlett, and a good few men involved in that. And they moved the pl- project along. And I think this could be a beacon for others to set up things. It's great to see the garden being used yeah. it wasn't being used before this so it's absolutely magnificent to see
2: and they're growing all kinds of veg fruit and veg
6: everything from beetroot uh, uh, cabbage lettuce it's actually made loads of strawberries and everything and, really, I, really I,
2: and I love the idea that the produce is going to the local community I,
6: it's, all, it's actually bringing all the groups together Patricia yeah. because you, you've got the elderly the active retirement groups the, the meet and greet and everything so they're all using the produce and it's there available for the locals as well so everyone is getting the benefit of it
2: well done. Well done. That's, it's a, that's a lovely yeah. lovely story and the best of luck to everybody involved oh, in the men's shed. And they meet actually every Thursday night at 8pm and everyone's welcome. Okay. Uh, and, it's a, and it's very safe because it's the back of the Garda station. Exactly. Uh, safer. Bridget, listen, thanks for that <laughs> and, oh, and uh, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thanks for joining oh, us. Bye bye. That then. is uh, Garda Bridget Hartnett who joins us from Bantry at Garda station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, just some of the commentary coming in on bereavement, when we were talking about bereavement in the last hour with that special event that's going on on behalf of the Irish Hospice Foundation in the Clayton Hotel tonight. An email in says, Hi Patricia, listen with interest to your segment about bereavement and how people cope with bereavement. As a loved one passes, we close our tight circle of family and friends. The community comes together to support us. After the funer- funeral, the community moves on with their lives but the circle of the family stays closed. At some stage, this circle has to open and allow others in. When we allow this, we are then open to help. Talking is good. We need to talk, particularly about the person who has passed away. Memories are good and we have to cherish them. Staying in a constant state of mourning does not do any justice. To the To the deceased person, yeah, how true that is. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I'm really hoping that if people go along to the Clayton Hotel tonight, um, you know, particularly people who maybe are really, really struggling at the moment, I'm really hoping that they will get the help and support that they need by going along to the Clayton Hotel tonight. It's been organised, as I say, by the Irish Hospice Foundation, but it's all the local organisations are going to be there and they are the ones that, that I think will be able to pick up the pieces and help people to get on Uh, with their life it isn't easy by God it isn't easy that bereavement journey and it can be a very personal one as well and you know to hear Amanda talk about you can have two sisters grieving the loss of uh, a much loved mother and both doing the grieving process two very different ways you know I swear by that saying there is no there's no right or wrong way to grieve what's right for me might necessarily be uh, be right for you but you know Get the help and support because there's wonderful, wonderful organisations out there. And then another, this is by texting. Hi, Patricia. I can relate to the lady who was when she lost her dog that the grief of her previous losses really hit her and came to the surface. I've texted you many times in the past about the loss of my beautiful son. His dog, who now lives with me, never left his side. In 2018, I myself was diagnosed with cancer. After seven months of chemo and my recent mastectomy, my son's dog has been at my side through it all. At 14 years of age and still thinking he's a puppy, he is, to me, a wonder dog. And to be honest, I'm dreading the time that I will lose him I'm doing well by the way Patricia and with the continued companionship of my son's wonderful dog hope to continue do so for many many more years Um, oh well done well done and that love that you get from that unconditional love that you can only get from a dog now I know other animals will give you unconditional love but there's nothing like the unconditional love from a dog and it's almost like that dog has sensed he was your son's beloved pet He obviously, because dogs do mourn as well, he mourned the loss of your son. And then, you know, to be to be with you now and that wonderful bond that you have long, long, long. uh, May that continue. Now, what else? Oh, what else is coming into us? This is by, let me go to WhatsApp now. i gonna leave that one for a moment. This is a call that came in earlier. Now, this is when we were talking about toilets. Yesterday, we were talking about the condition of public toilets and how the council has been forced in many parts of the city and county and indeed around the country. This is something just particular to us here in Cork. They've had to close down public toilets because people just abuse them so much. So much antisocial goes on there that they've no other choice just to get rid of them. They've gone down the route some areas have of the super loose, but we know that they cost a lot of money. But the downside to it, we've got areas where there are no public toilets and we had some Commentary in about that from listeners today saying that that's wrong, that businesses, people have to go into businesses and businesses have to let their services be used because there are no public toilets uh, in the area. Now, I know a lot of cafes and bars will insist that you buy something before you use their toilets, which I think is 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 quite OK. You, we can't expect businesses to allow their restrooms to be open to the general public because there's a cost involved In them keeping their toilets nice and clean and stocked with toilet roll and soap and towels and, you know, hand dryers and all of that. There's a cost involved in that, so we can't expect them to allow people just to wander in off the street and use them. So I can understand a cafe saying you have to have a cup of coffee or a bar saying, you know, you're going to have to buy yourself a mineral or whatever. Kathleen in the City, though, said she, now we're not naming the West Cork town. But she was there last week and she had her child with her. They went into a coffee shop to get a cup of coffee but her daughter needed to go to the toilet. So, ordered their. assuming they've ordered their coffees and then they went into the toilet and Kathleen said she got some shock when she went into the toilet. She, she said it was just what she described as so bad. She really was shocked. She said the floor was wet The seat of the toilet was wet. She says, you've been talking about excrement and poo on the walls of public toilets. Well, there was poo on the wall. Uh, Inside in the toilet, filthy. There was a hand towel in there that shouldn't have been there. It looked like it hadn't been washed for months. Plus, she said the smell inside in this toilet. Now, this is a toilet in a coffee shop in a West Cork town. Kathleen said it was appalling. She simply walked out would not allow her daughter to use the toilet and I'm assuming went on to find another coffee shop to go have a cup of coffee and to spend uh, a penny. Catherine said, I was a visitor to that area for the day so it's not just public toilets. This happened in a coffee shop. Okay, That's, it sounds disgusting. It sounds absolutely disgusting, particularly in a premises that obviously is selling and serving food, possibly preparing food uh, as well. Now, you describe it like something like a toilet that hasn't been cleaned in quite some time, which I'm really surprised at when it's in a cafe that's used and people are are in and out. If you go into a toilet and you find it in a bad condition, I mean, usually there's signs in the toilet saying, you know, please let us know if the toilet wasn't up to your satisfaction or if there's something missing from the toilet, because there's no business can have somebody in the toilets for every waking minute that they're open. It's just impossible. I mean, you'll see toilets where there's a checklist where every couple of hours. Number of staff goes in, you know, cleans the sink, checks that the toilets are all okay, and everything's flushing, puts the toilet roll in if that needs to be replaced. You know, checks the soap dispensers, maybe gives a quick sweep of the you know floor, sweep and brush in, and then they'll tick. There'll be a little sheet of paper up on the back of the door and the time that they went in they check the toilets and they'll, they'll initiate it. You'll regularly see that and in fairness wherever you see those sheets you'll always find spotlessly clean toilets because you know that they've been regularly checked. Now, I don't know the size of this coffee shop. Small coffee shop they mightn't have a lot of staff on. I don't know how often they get in to check the toilets. Now Kathleen's description particularly with the towel smelling and looked like it hadn't been washed in months it doesn't sound to me like that that toilet is regularly cleaned. What I can't understand is if it's a coffee shop that's open five, six days a week, how other members of the public are using that coffee shop and using the toilet if it's in the condition, constantly in the condition that Kathleen is describing. Now, Kathleen just got up and left with her daughter and went on some somewhere else. You really should have stopped Kathleen and spoken to somebody looked to see was the owner there the manager there and just have a quiet word you don't have to you don't have to shout it across the cafe but we really should be pointing out when we find facilities that are that bad you need to point it out even though the way you describe it I'm assuming somebody else surely surely somebody else before has been in there and has pointed out the condition of that uh, toilet I really am taking aback at your description of it Because West Cork is a town that is very welcoming of visitors and visitors will always talk about, overseas visitors, visitors from other parts of the country will always talk about the wonderful welcome that you get in West Cork. If that toilet is in the condition that you're describing, Kathleen, all of the time, then I'm just surprised that the coffee shop remains open because isn't there inspections Is there HSE inspections, the food inspectors, the Food Safety Authority? Don't they go in and check these premises? And and, and I imagine the toilets are one of the main places uh, that are checked. Uh, 1850, 333, 103. Um, And a completely different topic, but one that almost turns my stomach. Says, hi Patricia, a cat was found in Churchtown Village with horrific injuries inflicted by thugs kind of a society have we become says this texter in the gorgeous, beautiful town of Church, uh, the beautiful village of, of Churchtown in North Cork. Whoa. Let's see if I can get more information on that. Has that made the papers? Has anybody picked up on that story? Horrific injuries on a cat found in Churchtown. If anybody has further information on that, that is utterly and absolutely shocking. 1850 John Paul is taking your pet questions. You can text a WhatsApp a pet question to 0862103103 The C one zero three
5: Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
2: Transfusion Service. They have got a donor clinic in Dunamore Community Centre and that is on tonight between five and half past seven. Hazelwood Tennis Club. They've got a fundraising table quiz half past eight tonight. That's in Springford Hall. They're looking for tables of four please and a table of four is going to cost you 40 euro, all are welcome. Kadalari Community Development, they've got their weekly lottery draw that's in Walsh's bar tonight. The jackpot there is 1,400 euro. Dancing to the best of friends, that's on tomorrow night, Friday, in Theo Park in Labamalaga, while a coffee morning in aid of Serve India. That'll be held in the Haven Bar in Kilavallam on this Sunday morning. It starts at 12 noon. Lots of fun with a raffle and an auction. And they say the auction comes with a very slight twist. And Donnerail Athletic Club hosting their first 10k road race on this saturday it starts at 11am it takes in the beautiful surroundings of Donoreil and Donoreil park medal and t-shirt for every runner online registration is available you need to check out Donoreil um, athletic club facebook page for the registration link
4: you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
2: and a couple of minutes ago i gave you our key- Cue to call for our Live at the Marquee free ticket Thursday. We have tickets right across the day to give away to Aslan and to give away to Nathan Carter. I've actually got a pair of tickets for Nathan Carter, who is playing Live at the Marquee on Friday, June 14th. Mark Bryan is in Bandon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Good afternoon, Patricia. You heard my cue to call. Are you a Nathan Carter fan? I would be, yes, Patricia, yeah. Would you? OK, you've got to answer a question first in order to win the tickets. Which of these acts played live at the Marquee? Elton John or you 2 Elton John. It was Elton John. Well done. Well, you've just won yourself a pair of tickets. You're going Thanks. along live at the Marquee on the 14th of June. Have you seen Nathan Carter play before?
4: I have, yes. Yeah, I'd be a uh, big fan of Nathan Carter.
2: Oh, you're a big fan.
4: Yes, yeah. yeah. We've travelled all over the country and even to England to see his concert.
2: Have you already bought tickets for Live at the Marquis? Uh,
4: no, not no. yet. i was hey, hey. going to buy them tomorrow. Oh,
2: <laughs> goodness me, your luck is in.
4: Thanks very much, Patricia. Go off
2: and do the lotto now as well, OK? I will do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, enjoy love. the gig. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well right, bye bye. Bye bye. Well done. That is uh, Mark uh, Brown. I love that. I love when real, genuine fans uh, win the tickets. Uh, well done. He's won a pair of tickets to Nathan Carter Live at the Marquee. We continue to roll through a free ticket Thursday. We will have more of those, more tickets to give away with Nick and uh, Martina a little bit later on. Now, I've been told that there are a group of people travelling around the country carrying kitchen appliances. And they are in Waterford at the moment and they're trying to get a lift to Cork. And to find out more, one of the gang, John Hamill, joins me. Good afternoon to you, John.
7: Hi, how are you doing? I, I'm
2: doing very well. Okay, when did you st- set off on your journey or your challenge? I don't know what way you're looking at this. It, when-
7: it sounds even more mad when you said on the radio. <laughs> um, we set off. So we set off yesterday from Dublin. Uh, we left Dublin and three o'clock yesterday, and we hitchhiked the whole way. There's six lists. We got about fifteen lifts off loads of different people, and we got the whole way down to Waterford
2: now six Um, six people hitchhiking
7: you can't all you can't
2: all get into one car
7: no we split up into groups of two um, and we all have different kitchen appliances so Dermot has a microwave Oisin has a toaster uh, Paul has an ironing board Shireen has a kettle uh, or sorry a toaster and Ross has a kettle and I'm carrying a blender so we all fit our bags and all that sort of stuff in as well
2: can I say the poor guy with the microwave got the raw deal (laughs)
7: <laughs> he, he, he picked it himself with so his own thoughts. Dir-
2: the dirty Egypt. Anyway, okay, so you're walking around the country hitchhiking, carrying kitchen appliances. So you certainly stand out.
7: Uh, we do indeed.
2: Why? We do indeed.
7: So we're doing it all for In native Theatre House. Uh, the Theatre House helps out people with uh, mental health and suicide thoughts and yeah. things like that. Wonderful organisation. Um, so we're, we're all the while we're going around, we're Posting on Instagram, we're trying to raise awareness and as much money as we can for Pieta House. Uh, we have a, our Instagram page is Kitchen Around the Coast and we're the same on Facebook as well. If anyone wants to go and follow us and follow the
2: journey. Um, and you, so started, now, you started in sorry, Dublin. You started in Dublin. We started in Dublin and now we're in Waterford. And how far do you hope to get? We want
7: to get the whole way around the coast of Ireland.
2: And end back up in Dublin
7: end up back up in Dublin, that's the goal.
2: How long do you expect that to take?
7: We're aiming for a week and hopefully going to climb Co-Patrick one of the days with all our planes. <laughs> it's,
2: it's novel. It certainly is, is novel. And you're a group of friends, obviously. How do you all know each other?
7: We've actually, most of us have never met. I, I'd never met anyone before. Uh, just followed it on social media and got to know each other.
2: So who put the group together then? Sorry? Who put the group, who put the six of you together?
7: it, uh, he's got Mike5Express uh, is his name on Instagram. He organised the whole thing um, and I was just following him on Instagram and happen to, happen to, see, happen to see him and to take part. Most of us are the very same as that.
2: Okay, so he's the tour guide who's organised it all. Uh, so yeah. you, so where are you staying every night?
7: Where, where you staying in a... Random stranger's house last night, such a nice man, uh, put us all up. So it put the six of us up. Uh, so we're basically in Waterford now going to Cork and we're looking for the same. We're looking for anyone who wants to donate some food or put us up for the night, uh, if possible. And if anyone's going from Waterford to Cork, to gives a lift. So,
2: so, right, so, you d- so, a so you don't have accommodation, you don't have food, you don't have travel expenses... You're trying to do the whole journey without without it costing anything because the whole idea is is to raise as much money for Pieta House. Exactly. <laughs> so you're heading out. Well, you, you've got to go out and hitchhike now from Waterford to get. You want to get into Cork City? Is you want well, to get into Cork, Cork City? City. I want okay. to
7: appeal to the people of Cork City if anyone wants to has a spare bed even just for one or two of us. Okay. Uh, to give us a shout uh, on the Instagram page. Or...
2: Okay, so give us the Instagram page again.
7: It's kitchen Kit- around the coast. Okay. And the same on Facebook as well.
2: Kitchen around the coast, and can I just say the week you've picked couldn't be worse from a weather point of view.
7: Yeah, we we got soaked yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, day hasn't been as bad. now, but hopefully it'll hold up.
2: Oh, and have you have you a lot of have you ba- have you backpacks with you? Have you clothes with you? Backpacks and
7: the kitchen appliances.
2: God, you're a mothly crew, I'll give you that. Listen, well well done. We'll, we'll catch up with you again. Um, but in the meantime, best of luck heading into Cork today. Thanks very much. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, OK, that is John Hamill, who's one of that gang leaving Waterford, heading to Cork. Anybody listening, wants to get them accommodation for the night you know they did well last night in getting one house that could put up six I don't know if there's many houses that can put up six but even if we got three houses putting up two each might do it I'm sure they probably have no problem getting a lift hitchhiking has that become popular again but hitchhiking with kitchen appliances certainly makes them stand out I think that's what's going to make people stop and offer them a lift but then after that they need to they're at, they're at the kindness of strangers to get accommodation and uh, food. And we wish them the best of luck because it's in a very, very worthwhile cause. Anything that we can do to help promote the fantastic work of uh, Pieta House, they are an incredible uh, organisation. Uh, Buddy was on to say this is to do with the toilet and the particularly the dirty toilet that Kathleen found when she was in a cafe, she says, in a town in West Cork. That's as much information as we're giving out on it. Um, Body says that every place that serve, serves food should have the toilets checked at least every thirty minutes. So it isn't good enough to say that a cafe will be too busy to check the toilets. They need to do it. I don't know if that is that by law or is that a ruling. They need to do it every thirty minutes. Now I want to bring you every time I do. I want to bring you this email that we've received that came in from two. Home Helps working in the North Cork area their health care support assistance that's their new uh, title but when I'm reading this email if I refer to them as Home Helps it's probably the easiest because that's what affectionately people still uh, call them and obviously it clearly states please do not read out uh, our uh, name we felt it was necessary to contact you to let your listeners hear uh, at Home Helps perspective in relation to the recent press articles regarding the new HSE healthcare support assistance contract. We are both Home Helps in North Cork and we know we speak on behalf of many Home Helps in our area. Please do not mention us by name. The HSE stated that the new healthcare support assistance contracts would restrict the number of new applicants requiring home care support. In their opinion, the new contracts include travel payments, an EU directive, not a concept put forward by Home Helps. The HSE are paying between two and four hours travel per week. The two and four hours travel per week obviously does not go far and it is part of a European directive, which should be paid anyway. And as this directive is only being met in its most minimum form, it will be hard to presume that this will be the cause of restricting further new clients. For example, the approximate time we spend travelling in our vehicles when working up to 32 hours a week is approximately 8 to 10 hours, which works out between 32 and 40 hours per month. The new contract states, if you work up to 32 hours, we are paid 2 hours per week travel time that's 8 hours per month If a home help has a contract over 32 hours they get 4 hours per week 16 hours per month In some cases some home helps are actually working 3 days a week at 12 hours per day When working these days pay is approximately for 7 hours the rest is travel time 5 hours So they're driving to and from clients on their own time as they will only get 2 hours hours travel per week when the actual time a home helper spent driving is closer to 15 hours just over 3 days in addition to the minimum travel allowance that the HSE provide we're working 12 days in a row with no rest days in between for example, the home help working the three twelve-hour days will start their day at around seven thirty a.m. and work through without a break until around three thirty in the afternoon. They will then take forty-five minute break approximately to eat and then get back to the out to their clients and work on until half seven. Sometimes it's even later. If, for example, there was a work day in a hospital setting, it would be classed as a twelve-hour shift, which would include two tea breaks and a lunch break and full pay for the whole 12 hours whereas the Home Helps we do 12 hours and we only get paid for 7. Travel time of 5 hours is not paid. Also, in a hospital setting when you work a 12 hour shift you're given appropriate rest days whereas Home Helps are working 12 days in a row with no rest days. Very briefly Home Helps care for stroke and Alzheimer patients palliative, end of life mental health issues, etc. Supporting clients and their families, the eyes and ears of the public health nurse, dealing with family dynamics. Each call will be different and at times challenging and we, we are often advocates for some of our clients. We feel, as has been evident in the media recently, that home helps never get positive support for the service they provide within the community. It would be nice if clients who are happy with their home helps, would ring in with positive comments. This would be very much appreciated by us all. Likewise, as Patricia mentioned on the programme yesterday, it is important for clients to advise the public health nurse or the home help coordinator when they're unhappy with their home help or any aspect of their care. We would like to make it very clear we love our job. We take pride in the care we provide to our clients and we get great job satisfaction caring for the elderly and the most vulnerable members of our community. We just feel the HSE should show us a little respect for the job we are doing. That's not too much to ask. Thanking you for your time. Kind regards and we obviously have the name of the two healthcare support assistants from the North Cork area who are, for obvious reasons um, are not were not allowed to give their name out for fear that they would get into uh, trouble. But I think very much backing up what I said yesterday as well when some people were given out about home helps and it's the same in any job in any profession no matter where you go You'll get people who don't work at the same level as, as anybody else. But we need to speak up about the ones who are not doing the job right. But equally, we need to praise the ones that are doing the job right. And over the years when I've dealt with home help issues, I have heard from people. I have heard from lots of elderly people and families of elderly people who say that their mother, father, whatever, just would not function Without the home help coming in in the morning or coming in uh, in the in the evening, uh, so there are many wonderful home helps out there, but unfortunately, there are also others who are not doing their job right who are letting down the the better ones but Thank you to uh, the two home helps who put that very good email together and uh, I was glad uh, to Uh, give them a voice. And Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins me in the studio. Good afternoon to you Jane. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Okay let us get straight into questions. If anybody has a question for Jane 1850 333 103 John Paul is taking calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 if you have a question. Let's get straight to a question from Sheila who says um, Hi Jane and Patricia. Um, I have to take my Terry for her booster next week in Vermoy. she pukes in the car even on the shortest journey any advice please oh, first travel all, sickness
0: travel sickness it's very common particularly in pets that don't go in the car very frequently um, and it can be a big problem and it certainly adds to their anxiety and your anxiety around going to the vet um, there's no easy way around it in the short term is what I would say so uh, unfortunately I'd probably say if she gets car sick the likelihood is if, if the trip is next week she, she may well get car sick but there are things that we can do to limit the chance of that so I would probably not feed her that morning if she has let's say a morning or an early afternoon appointment so that there's less in, in the tummy as it were for up. her to vomit up it's kind yeah. of like ourselves if we were going to go on a roller coaster we wouldn't eat first um, so I think an empty tummy and then a snack once you get home would be the best option I would say it's definitely worth visiting your vet for the booster it's really important to to prevent serious infectious diseases so i wouldn't forgo that under any circumstances i think long term there are some things you can do so the best way of doing them doing it is just get them used of the car so if they're not a frequent traveler the best thing to do is to pop them into the car go for a 20 second drive even around the block or down the lane and then take them out And maybe do that every few days for a few weeks if it's easy for you to do and just small short trips and then slowly build up the time. So build it up to a minute or two and then five minutes and then 10 minutes and then eventually for however long it would take you to get to the vet. And you could even do some dummy runs to the vet. I'm sure they don't Mm. mind. We love seeing pets come in and, you know, seeing the environment coming to say hello to reception. And certainly if they have a few visits to the vet as well at the end of their car trip, it helps to just let them relax in that environment as well. It's all about relaxation. So with the vomiting in the car, some of it is certainly motion sickness, and that's kind of like the same ourselves. as travel sickness in, human, travel yeah. sickness in humans. Exactly. But some of it can be anxiety related. If it's a new situation, they're not used to going in the car, they're feeling a little bit woozy and wobbly in the back of the car and they don't have a position that makes them feel secure, then it can, anxiety can can add to that as well. I think making them feel secure in the car is another thing. Um, if you have a, a seat belt, a little harness and seatbelt for your dog, that can be a really helpful thing as well because it restrains them, keeping both them safe and you safe driving the car. Yeah. But it can also help to make them feel a little bit more secure. Um, And maybe just pop a little blanket or a part of their bed that they normally sleep in into the car with them. So it's their own smells as well. Again, helping to kind of just drop that anxiety down a little bit. So I think as as a short term solution, no feeding in the morning, secure Mm. them well in the car. And and then start working
2: on it after that. Yeah. Do they eventually get over it?
0: They do. Okay. I think the vast majority of dogs, my own little dog, Margot, um, she really suffer, suffered with motion sickness when she started and I only have like a seven minute drive to work at that point. Um, and she used to get sick all of the time. And I did exactly that. I started taking her for 20, 30 seconds in and then out of the car and then slowly built up the time and now she's fine. She'll happily sit in the car with me for half an hour, no problems.
2: Dogs with their head out the window of the car.
0: Not a good idea. Is it not? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really, really not. I, I think the, the closest analogy is you wouldn't let your child stick their hand out the window. Yeah. Um, It's not safe and they don't, they don't perceive things as being dangerous and I suppose all it will take is, I think the classic one is them on the passenger side of the car or, you know, in the back seat with their head out the window. It's terrifying because all it will take is, let's say, a low-hanging branch or, you know, the hedge getting a little bit tighter on the road and they may not kind of Perceive that as danger, and certainly it can take them by surprise. They're not expecting these things, so it's really not a safe thing to do.
2: Okay, obviously, I often wondered when you see it, is, is it for travel sickness? But I mean, if you just no. need to get some air in to see if the window open a little bit, a little bit, but don't have the hair, yeah, don't have the head keep the hanging temperature
0: out. in the car nice and normal.
2: Okay, Catherine in the city has been onto us is looking for the best strap for dealing with fleas on cats. Where's the be- and Where's the best place to, to get, oh, the collar, sorry, ah, yeah. the type of collar you put around for, for flea control. Would you be an advocate of those? Uh,
0: It's not a simple answer. Okay, so the strap or the collar is one way of doing flea treatment, certainly. And there are some great brands on the market. Now, I can only think of one brand I've ever come across called Soresto that I would trust to put on my own cat. Okay, so that's a prescription only medicine, and it's something that we're sure works and is safe. Okay, now there are lots of other straps, collars on the market for dogs and cats, Um, and they wouldn't necessarily be something that would be available from a veteran pharmacist a lot of the time, which means that uh, they wouldn't have as rigorous testing as the ones that we or a pharmacist would be able to sell, and therefore I'm always a little bit worried about their safety. So I would say if you wanted to go for a strap, visit your vet and see what they have available. There are a few products that we have that we know are safe and have safe ingredients for our pets and work really well the other option is you could always do a little spot on on the back of the neck so it's li- just a little drop of liquid essentially um, so that's another option and that doesn't
2: annoy the cat in any way it doesn't tend to no. to be honest no, no we put
0: it on the back of their neck just so that they can't lick it off but they do tend to be quite safe treatments and they can last between a month and three months depending on which, form- which formulation you have um, so they will be the two things for a cat either collar but the most common by far would be, be a spot, spot on, on certainly yeah. there are some tablet formulations available but if you ask me to give a cat a Tablet, I'd really struggle no, myself, no, no, so I, I don't tend to. Yeah, yeah and go it goes the on the back on. of the neck,
2: so they can't wash it. Get liquid no, to get it off.
0: I think my best advice for any kind of flea or mite or light or worming treatment for dogs or cats is visit your vet because they'll be able to guide you as to what products are really safe and ones that will work. And it really pains me to say that unfortunately, there's a lot of products on the market that aren't safe or effective.
2: What can make a cat sick? Very sick. Yeah, OK. Yeah. All right, be careful. Yeah. Um, Mary from Bantry. How can we encourage our eight-year-old Shih Tzu to drink more water? She was recently diagnosed with bladder stones. so thankfully, she is passing them, but passing them slowly. But surely she needs to keep flushing them out, says Mary mm. from Bantry. How do you encourage a dog to drink more?
0: Uh, yes, flushing them out exactly like ourselves if we have bladder problems is a really good idea. So keep that water intake going. Um, sometimes... Adding a little bit of water to the daily meal can help. So in the morning and evening, just adding a little splash of water here and there, it all helps. I know it won't be a Mm. huge amount, but sometimes that can help with the water intake a little bit. Um, Sometimes flavouring the water can help a little bit, whether it be a tiny, I mean, a really tiny smidge of chicken broth or beef broth into the water can really help to to get them drinking because they really like the taste then. But a lot of the time... They won't drink excessively in the same way that we can tell ourselves, look, you need to drink, it'll help you. They will drink to the level of hydration that their body needs as long as they're otherwise healthy.
2: and Same happy for all themselves. dogs, is it? Same for all yeah, dogs okay. and
0: cats as well. I think if they're bright, happy, bouncing, eating and drinking, they'll probably be getting enough water to keep them hydrated regardless. Any more is a bonus and that's great. Um, but they'll probably find their own little steady level, as it were. As regards bladder stones... I think it sounds like you've done a good job. It sounds like you've been to a vet. Sometimes dietary management can be essential in those cases. So I would say depending on what kind of bladder stone your dog or cat has, just work closely with your vet to make sure that's under control.
2: Now, anyone who's ever had a kidney stone will know the pain of it Mm. is... Is it, is, it, is it painful for the dog to pass the bladder stones? yes stone?
0: it is Ouch. It is. Ouch. it can be sometimes they can become very big surprisingly mm. big yeah. like little golf balls and unfortunately they, they might need surgical uh, remov- yeah. removal but sometimes they we can take action with medications or
2: diet that can help to dissolve okay. them alright oh, good luck good luck with it yes. and <laughs> Anne says hi question for Jane Yvette please a Labrador two and a half years old neutered but is incontinent sometimes very clever we'll always ask to be left out to go to the toilet but I've noticed the pee comes sometimes when she's in her bed. So I was like she's leaking. It's almost, it sounds like, can I do anything about it? Kind of regards, Anne.
0: Okie doke. What, what age did you say? The two, two and one a half. Two and a half. And is neutered. And is neutered. I think, first of all, as we have a young dog that's been neutered, I would rule out the, the common causes of incontinence or wanting to pee a little bit more than usual. Okay. okay. So I would say I will pop her to your vet for a check over. I will probably try and bring a little pee sample with you as well. So the best way of catching a pee sample is take her out first thing in the morning and bring a freshly washed lunchbox with you. So something, a big wide container. And once she's peeing, duck under, collect a little pee sample and then bring that into your vet when you go for your appointment. They'll thank you in spades. It's really helpful. And with that, they'll probably want to rule out infection and just to make sure that the kidneys are working properly so that they're concentrating the urine into a nice normal amount so just to double check, there's nothing else going on that might cause a problem. Now, in a young dog that's been neutered, it's very uncommon to have incontinence, but sometimes an older dog is yeah older dogs generally um, they can sometimes have problems with incontinence and that can be mediated by the hormones that are flowing around the body and and very much like women as they get older that can change Um, and there's certainly drugs and medications that we can give to improve the signs massively but we'd be really important to make sure that it is true incontinence rather than let's say a problem that might make us pee more like an infection or bladder stones so it's really important particularly in a young dog to make that distinction because if there was medication for incontinence required it might be something that would be required long term and you wouldn't want to embark on that without making sure it wasn't something let's say short term yeah. and fixable and solvable first so I think get a urine sample and pop to your vet to discuss your concerns
2: So rule out that there's anything yeah. uh, going uh, going um, uh, wrong Okay and uh, finally could Jane give advice please on fleas this is the ongoing this comes up nearly every, every week and my cat has been scratching all night I did use a spot on but that was about Six weeks ago.
0: Okay. All right. So first and foremost, well well done for noticing the scratching because cats can sometimes be incredibly secretive with their scratching. Um, I think you've done the spot on six weeks ago. Now, depending on the product you've used, that may be fine and she may not be due yet but the vast majority of products are due monthly so double check with your vet for your product how often you need to be giving it sometimes it's monthly sometimes it's every three months just double check if it's due do it again I think if you have got fleas in the house and certainly your vet will be able to to confirm that by doing what we call a, a co-comb test um, where we can see the little flea poos um, and confirm that they have had little visitors on there and mm. um, You need to make sure that your flea treatment is up to date. I would take all of the bedding or anything your cat likes to sit on and put it through a hot wash um, so that you kill off the eggs um, and do that periodically over the next few weeks. You'll probably need to treat the environment. And again, speak to your vet about this. It's an environmental spray and you'd spray it in, let's say, the soft furnishings that they spend a lot of time in or any kind of warm areas so skirting boards are the classic one where fleas love to hide out. A lot of the time on cats they won't have flea burden on them. You'll just see the, the aftermath of so the little flea poos and the itchiness so they'll hop on, have a little have a little bite and then hop off and live in the skirting boards in the carpet etc. Um, and they can lay lots of eggs there and those eggs can actually for a cat stay there up to 12-13 months so it's really important if you know your cat has a flea problem you need to do continue us on-the-button treatment for at least a year you to make it. sure that you break that cycle because you might treat your cat but then the new eggs will hatch out okay. so you but just keep, need to
2: do a continual but, but you day. need to keep the spot-ons up to date and one off is not enough OK we leave it there thank you for that Jane uh, as always a mine of information that is uh, Jane Pickett joining us from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket which is part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group that's where we wrap it up for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and don't forget we have a live at the marquee free ticket Thursday all day today we have tickets to give away to Nathan Carter and tickets to give away to uh, aslan uh, so you're listening out for your queue to call throughout the afternoon we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock onto the night Patricia Messenger